48-hour art check. Best of podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday on YouTube, 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at coreykerr.com slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast. Today's topic is going to uh, be a continuation of a video that I put up uh, just today on my YouTube channel, which is about, are you a starter or are you a finisher? And and one of the reasons why this kind of came up, I forgot, somebody had a quote uh, and it was, it. I forgot exactly what the quote was, but um, so I don't know why I mentioned it. But anyway, uh, so I, I started to think, well, am I a starter or a finisher? And then I was like, well, how can you finish something if you haven't started? And then I, then I, then I started to realize, I think where this is coming from is probably people like say probably more along the lines with Josh and Corey, where either they work, you know, either like Josh is an art director, um, and you know, Corey is a, is a, is a professor, but it's probably that makes more sense for teams, I think. So when you're, you know, it, it makes sense to get people that are really good at starting something and team them up with people that are really good at finishing. But as solo entrepreneurs, that's a little different. So I really, I, I kind of started to think, well, you know, because, you know, I'd like to think, and I know that there's, you know, I, I know that there's different, you know, different levels and everything. And, you know, I always like to think that I'm both, but when I started to, like really look at it. Um, there's a lot of, I think I'm more of a starter. I enjoy the starting process more than I probably enjoy the finishing process. So that just led me to kind of reflect and, and think, well, what do I do, need to do to be a little more of a finisher? So that's, but I, I thought it'd be, I thought it would be good to kind of continue that conversation with you guys. Cause it's, it's something I, I mean, I would like to get you know, feedback from you guys and kind of figure out what you guys are. Are you starting, you look at yourself as starters or finishers, or have you thought about this or so? It's, I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic because um, from, I, I have a business background lately. It's kind of shifted into an art background, but, but I, I came solidly from business and marketing and um, there's a thing called kill your founder, um, which is, which is a common business tactic that basically means that the type of individual who starts a successful business um, is the wrong type of personality to um, to grow and maintain um, a business that has succeeded. And so you actually need to, you know, the, they call them serial entrepreneurs, those people that that start good ideas, they get them off the ground, they're, they're very into it while it's you know, a challenge and growth and everything else. But once it needs to get past kind of the adolescent stage um, and it just needs to be maintained uh, and you move into like a slow growth stage because you've captured a significant portion of the market share or whatever, usually that type of person starts to destroy the business. But if you keep them in charge, um, they continue to try to do the same things that grew it fast. And it can, it, it actually is detrimental to a lot of like, business practices. And so it's an interesting thing to the theory that the theory is at least in business that uh, there, that there are different personality types and that there are those that, those that start things are not good um, at, at being somebody who maintains in a slow growth setting. Um, as far as me personally, I, I wonder, I, I wonder if like, if we're talking about side projects and being like solo entrepreneurs and owning your own business and, and being like the sole proprietor of, of like an illustration shop or animation shop or something. Um, when it comes to projects, uh, if you include the marketing and promotion of that project after it's finished, then I am awful at that. <laughs> I brought that exact, that's that I brought that exact same point up. Um, that, that, you know, when is a project truly finished? Is it finished when it's a physical thing and you have it, or is it, is it finished when you get it out there and let people know about it and put it, you know, put it out on the market, which it, usually that's that I'm exactly like you then course, because, you know, 
I, I use my comic maker toolkit as an example, whereas, you know, I put it out there and it's done okay because it's, it's these marketplaces that I'm kind of using, they're kind of promoting it and everything. But as far as on my side, I mean, I could make, I could make a lot more money because I get a bigger percentage if I can sell it off of my website, but I haven't, you know, I haven't put any, you know, promotion out there or anything like that when, and I don't know why that is because I, you know, Obviously, it's proven to be successful in these other places. So if I run some Facebook ads or do a video or on Instagram, um, I know I know exactly I know exactly why that is for me at least because I hate it. Yeah. Like I love. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I hate it. I just I don't. Maybe I do hate it. I don't know. But I mean, I'm always I'm interested in marketing. I like yeah. I like listen to marketing podcasts. And I like to learn about it. And yeah, I'm, I don't know. It's just like. Science and quantum physics, but when it comes to the execution of science and quantum physics, I have no interest. You know what I mean? Right, right, like right. I can listen to it all yeah, day. Yeah. But when it comes to like like executing mathematical equations that it takes to do quantum physics, I'm like, I I'm out. I'm out. When it, yeah, and and for me, I wonder if that's a very similar thing because I love a lot of really interesting things about engineering and science and and neurology and whatever, but and chemistry and all that, all that type of stuff. But as soon as somebody's like, solve this equation, I'm like, I'm going to go draw something. This is dumb. I don't want to do that. And I wonder if it's kind of the same thing because I enjoy all of the type of problems that you have to solve in yeah. the middle of producing a project. I love coming up with the idea. I love figuring out the best way to execute that idea. I love planning out the different compositions and coming up with the best way to tell that story. Um, I love the feeling that I get as I finish different milestones of those things. But then when the project is complete, I can control all of that. I can't control the success in the marketplace. I can't, I can't control whether or not people buy it to a certain extent because that's it's other people's choice. And so as soon as I get into this promotion thing, I think for me, it puts me into two different, two different things that, that I'm, that I'm striking out on. One is my imposter syndrome just goes into overdrive and I'm like, you know, I'm faking this anyway. And so everybody's going to hate it. I might as well not do anything with it and just do the next project. Cause that's the part that I enjoy. And the other thing is I can, I can control one half of that equation, but the other half of that equation is, other people deciding to do something and and I refuse to manipulate and coerce because I because of just some personal principles that I have and so that that leaves me with uh, persuasion uh, you know which is a lighter a lighter thing and it's more like I kind of put it out there and so for me um, those two things go against me is I I am very uncomfortable talking about things that I've made as it relates to and you should spend money on it. Um, and, and so that kind of self-promotion is, is hard. And then on the other side of that equation, uh, I don't like doing a lot of the stuff that I have to do to get it out there. I don't like, it's not that I mind rejection or anything, but I don't like writing the emails. I don't like doing the blog posts. I don't like you know, segmenting the ads. And I don't like, you know, like there's so many different interesting problems that I could be solving if I just started another project. And so yeah. if you're talking about finishing projects, I'm a starter and a finisher. If you're talking about promotion after the project is done, I I have seriously considered budgeting for, you know, some sort of digital assistant or something that that could go out and do all that stuff for me yeah if i i mean if i if i get to the point where i i bring in enough income where i could hire somebody like on a freelance basis or something to do that i mean i would love to do that i mean and obviously i think it would be a worthy investment because if, if you can find the right person because with something you don't really care to do i mean obviously you know, assuming, you know, if you find the right person, then it's, it's, you're not going to lose money. You're going to make money because they're going to, you know, be able to do that kind of promotion. So, yeah, I don't know, but I just haven't, I haven't got to that point yet where I can, I guess I can justify, uh, you know, hiring somebody to do that. But yeah. And I, and I, and I don't know, you know, if I, it's like finding the right person too, because you know, I'd love to have a publicist and you can have a cut of my profits. That's fine. But like, I don't know how to, 
finding that person is just another is another step that I'm just like, oh, I just don't want to do that. Yeah, and I've yeah. tried it before, and I I did I did not find the right person. Like for a while, I was trying to do, I was gonna I decided I was gonna do murals and like I was gonna do like the you know murals and these kind of sort of like 3D murals where I would do like the you know like the foam sculptures and the walls and have it kind of pop out and do like you know or whatever just really cool like kids room type stuff um and i you know i i sent out some you know postcards and some ads looking for somebody to help me promote it and you know had a couple people said they were interested in and everything and then they just didn't of course that was more on a commission basis um i maybe if i had money up front to to pay you know something in addition to that commission but yeah it just all kind of fell through and people didn't do what they said they could do or just yeah so so yeah i mean one of these days maybe i'll find the right person but i don't know for me like it's, it's interesting to hear the take on it like the marketing is as being a weakness because i think we could all probably i mean i definitely relate to that like i, I once i'm finished with the project I don't feel like doing that extra mile afterward. Like I, I hate it. I feel like a huckster. Yeah. Um, even conventioning, it's like I like the social aspect, but there's a deep part of me that really doesn't like it. Like I would like to be able to just stamp it, say it's done, and have it just float out into the the world and for people to discover it. You know. So I relate to that. Um, but to me, when I hear like starter or finisher on a project. I think of it in context of just like, you know, like finishing, finishing the project. Like, yeah. um, because I know a lot of artists that are really um, great at starting, but not really finishing projects. Oh, and yeah. what I found is that actually, and, and this might sound harsh and I, I hope it doesn't sound too harsh, but I found from leading teams, I'll take finishers over starters any day. Um, like if you're going to start something and not commit and finish, I have no use for it. Like I, I, the only thing I can use on a professional level as an art director is finished art. That's it. I mean, like you can, and, and most of the people I know who are good at finishing are just as good at starting, but there's a lot of people I've come across that are great at starting and terrible at finishing. And that's, that's the weird thing. So I find that people are really good at finishing tend to have a talent for starting as well. Maybe it's not as strong, um, but they can kind of work around that. That's teachable. I feel like if you can't finish, that's a really, that's going to be a real problem. Um, and, and that's just like, now, now there are people who have like skill at like uh, spaghetti at the wall kind of things. Like, you know, those, those intro conversations in like a marketing context where it's like, okay, what are we going to do? And, and kind of some people are way more comfortable with the ambiguity of that, like the, the blank slate. Um, and I definitely think there are people who are more talented at, at that than others. But the, but the thing I will say is I, I think that um, I, I definitely would consider myself a finisher to, to sometimes my own detriment. Um, I, I don't do well at like false starts on projects. Um, and part of it's because I really, I hate the idea of wasted time and, it, and, and I, I can use time and stuff like that, but I really hate the, the idea of wasted time. So if I'm, if I'm going to like, and this can be a weakness too, because a lot of artists will kind of like sketch in their sketchbooks for fun and do a lot of fun drawing. And I tend to only do project-based stuff. So I'm like, okay, what, what's going to get me further on my project? And if I don't have a project, I don't feel a connection to what I'm working on because it just feels like wasted time. So um, you, that could be a weakness, but it's been a real benefit to me professionally um, because I've had a lot of friends who like, they, that like, for instance, when I was younger and I applied for the Zarek, that comic I was working on, I started a comic. I had like four friends start comics at the same time and they didn't finish them. Yeah. Um, and th they had the same goal, like, Oh, we'll get this Eric and, and none of them finished. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm like, I guess I'm getting at like, 
Um, I, I, I do feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a finisher. I'm not always finishing well, but I'm always, I tend to finish. And, and to me, like that's been pretty reliable, like for, for, for career wise, because, because like, once again, I don't tend to have uncompleted projects. Like I don't have a lot of fantasy things that I've started and kind of have been false starts. Yeah. Um, Well, my, my brother-in-law, he, he's got an MBA and he, he works for some, bigger companies uh, and uh, and I was just talking to him about it because it's in it's in a drastically different field. I'm always curious at what people are doing. And he said, you know what my uh, what I really bring to the table is I'm not necessarily the best, but I do what I'm supposed to do. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, whatever it's whatever it is, I do it. I finish every everything on my task list every time. If I get assigned something, I will always do it. And I thought, and he, and he said, there are people out there that are better salesmen than me. There are people out there that are better managers than I am. There are people out there that are better, whatever, but they don't, they don't do everything that they're supposed to do. I do it all. He said, that's, that's what I bring to the table. That's what I bring to the organization. And you brought up an interesting, you brought up an interesting point that, cause I, I'm, I'm in a unique situation in the, in the last six years, I've gotten an interesting kind of like bird's eye view of what it's like to be in your early twenties. Uh, from from the perspective of somebody who's approaching 40. And it's interesting because I don't remember whether or not I was like that or not, but I do see some fascinating things. And one thing that you mentioned is uh, ambiguity is like is like kryptonite to somebody in their early 20s. Like there are most most people that I've seen, people that are rare and exceptional, uh, are not like this, but most people uh, between the ages of like 18 to 25, if they're given unclear goals um, and there's not like a step-by-step set of instructions to follow, you know, basically ambiguity, they have no idea what to do. They're, they're paralyzed by indecision. And, and, the, and if, if you want to, if you want to take a creative who's 22 and completely make them lose their mind. Um, give them limitless options and no clear direction other than I want you to succeed. Do something awesome. If you just say do something awesome and there's no limitations to that, you would think, because I'm paying some of these people, um, like they're they're working at an agency that's a student-run agency. Um, I'm not paying them, but they're being paid in this situation and it's like, okay, we've got we've got some downtime. Let's do some self promotion. And for the self promotion, you can make anything that you want that is awesome, um, and that's it. And they will spend months spinning their wheels, not starting anything because there's no because because up until that point in time in our lives, at least in America, uh, Everything, every assignment that you get is like, here are the 15 steps to succeed. Here's the rubric. You know, here's what you're shooting for. Here are past examples of other people that have done this thing. Mm-hmm. Here's this well-trodden path that's already been blazed for you and it's yeah. been paved. And all you have to do is just meander in that direction long enough and you'll you'll get you'll succeed. And so this idea of shaking out of that ambiguity and having initiative in the face of ambiguity is huge. But the other thing is. I do see a lot of people that start. I see very few people that finish. So it's like this narrowing field of like, there's everyone and the majority of them are never going to start anything. If, if there's an amb- ambiguous, whatever, uh, I'd say probably 95% of human beings uh, will just not do anything. Then you take that 5%. And I would say probably about 70% of those that start something won't finish it. And so I I think being a finisher, you can't be a finisher without being a starter. And I think both are impressive, but it, it goes, it goes like everyone and then starters. And then inside of the starters, there's those that finish the project. So, so the other interesting thing is like, Scott, you were describing that, like you were talking about it and you didn't see yourself as a finisher. But then I, but then I'm like thinking about it. And I'm like, I mean, there's not like I can count on my hands of my friend group, 
um, the amount of people who actually started a comic, finished it, published it. Like, and, and I mean that, like even within the hundreds community, um, if you take the hundreds and then you think of all the hundreds, how many have actually done a full comic, start to finish, had it published, put it out. Um, that actually narrows. Like, so there's people who finished the challenge yet never finished a comic. Right. And, and um, you've done like four and then you're on, like you're going to be finishing it. So like to me um, with projects, I think you are a finisher. I think you, you're right. I think all of us are really weak at, you know what it is? I think maybe we all share being weak at finishing something we could care less about. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, like, like those things where it's like, I'm interested in marketing. I hate doing marketing. So right. for, for example, I mowed 85% of my lawn and then I just stopped. My, my lawn right now is under two right. feet of snow and there's 15% of it that is just not mowed. Yeah. So, so in, in kind of to, to, to go off of that. Yeah. I mean, as far as like art projects, I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at finishing and everything, but, but, and that's why, and I, you know, if you would have just asked me without really, really thinking about it, I would say, yeah, I'm a starter and I'm a finisher. But then I really started thinking, I'm like, well, you know, first of all, what do I like to do the best? And I think I like starting because I, I've got, I've got all these different ideas for, for comics and stuff and, and so many ideas and, and that I'll never get around to doing all of them. Like, yeah. you know, I, like, Oh, here's a, and, and one of the things I really like is just, I like, I like just coming up with a cool concept, you know, for, for a story or whatever. Um, but to take that concept and kind of, uh, you know, actually have it play out as a story um that's not it's it's not as interesting in coming up with a with cool ideas so if i if i could come up with these cool ideas and maybe turn them over to somebody else and have them do it and just kind of see what happens with them that'd be cool because like i said there's there's no way i'll be able to do all these different ideas yeah. so so part of it that's what i mean by i think i'm, I'm i enjoy the starting more now now yeah. i've got i've got ideas like beyond like young and the dead that i want to do but i i I can't think about that because I have to finish kind of one kind of thing at a time. Um, but which, the other- I, which I would argue makes you a finisher. Right, right. Because just, just the discipline of being able to say, yes, I've got plenty of ideas, but I am going to focus. Cause you could have 40, you know, three, the, fr- you could have the first three pages of 40 different comics. Yeah. But like with you and your lawn, I mean, I think when it comes to like art projects and stuff, I'm good at finishing and everything. But in other aspects of my life, like uh, one of the examples I use was that I, I mean, I'm just not I'm not a big reader as far as like reading books. Like, I mean, I'll listen to books on tape and everything. But for whatever reason, I'll start a book. And I I, I think I've maybe finished like maybe two or three books in my lifetime. I, oh, I mean, wow. I mean, I'll, I'll start them and I mean, I'll get like to the very last chapter and I don't know what it is. Maybe some kind of weird fear of finishing it for some reason, but I'll just like, I won't finish. It. And I don't know why that is, but it's just that, that happens all the time. So I basically, I think you're gone to something because yeah. like when you, as you're describing like what you like, um, it to me juxtaposes with my personality. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just, I, like for me, I like having a problem. Like I like the problem being presented and then working through it. So like to me, um, I, I do enjoy like the spitballing process, but I really like when it starts getting into the weeds. Like I, I actually like the point where you're like, well, okay, what's the story arc? Like how does it work? How's it going to be different? What's the thing? <laughs> okay. I love that. Um, yeah, I, I didn't even blink because I, I relate to that. I think I might be the last generation to relate to that. I am going to completely sabotage any good audio that could come from this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. But um, but to me, it's like I, I really do enjoy that point where there's a conundrum and I have to kind of work through it. 
I like the hashing it out part. I like the the part where it's working it out rather than the the inception part. I actually don't enjoy as much. Like it's necessary, but it's like I feel like it's it like once again, like I said about my stuff. Like I don't like waste, and I feel like ideas. I don't know. Ideas are a dime a dozen, and so it's like and and but, but like the realization of those ideas are are like are the tough part, but I do enjoy the fantasy part. I like the fantasizing and being able to um, invent stories. But I think what I like the most is that moment of finish. Like I don't feel a lot of fulfillment out of like coming up with an idea that, that like I then hand off. I really do enjoy coming up with an idea, like seeing it through hashing out all those little problems and then seeing that final thing. Um, so I like, I don't know. I, I think to me, I get fulfillment out of that, but it's hard to say because um, if it's somebody else's thing, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that goes, you know, because I don't like working on other people's stuff. Yeah. Um, I have to. I think you kind of have to do that to do commerce and I can get into it and kind of psych myself out and like try to find the interesting element of whatever it is. Um, but, but it is hard to kind of, I don't know. I, I, I guess my point is I, I'm feeling like that, like we're close, but I do feel like maybe we're on opposite spectrums in that sense. Cause I do think I tend to enjoy the finish part more than the start. And it sounds like you enjoy the start, although you are a finisher. I don't know if that makes sense, but I do think there's a, a slight difference. Like, way like I definitely enjoy the sense of accomplishment when you when you finish something, and I, I do enjoy I enjoy the process, you know, along the way as well. But you know, I guess the part I, I think I love the most is probably just coming up with like ideas and, and th you know, yeah, you know. So I don't know. I mean, it's I hate that part, but that's really what I, interesting. That's why I'm, I'm like so I'm so bad at it. Yeah. I'm well, like, I, I, like, I don't know that I'm great at it. Like I, I look at, I always look at like Jake Parker and he, he's got all these just brilliant ideas and, you know, and he'll see through most of them. I mean, maybe some of the stuff you don't even know because he doesn't put it out there, but you know, I mean, just in his, in his sketches and, and things like that, there's always just like, Oh man, I wish I would have thought of doing something like that. But you know, I mean, so there's definitely people that are way better than me. Um, but I still aspire to be great at coming up with ideas. And sometimes I struggle with it or whatever. Um, but every once in a while I get a good idea. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. So no, I, yeah. I like where this is going though, because even you mentioning Jake Parker, like I like Jake Parker, but the one thing about Jake Parker's art that like, and this just goes to, I think the way I'm wired for like connecting with something. I like seeing a, a full story, like fully actualized. So I'll see like his concept and I'll be like, oh, I want to see the book. Like, I want to see what he does with that. Like, and so it kind of drives me nuts because I see a lot of really cool, like kind of potential right. and I don't really see it go anywhere other than the image, which is cool for fantasizing. But it's like, to me, the artist, I get really like I'm, part of why I'm obsessed with Chris, Chris Ware, right. Is he'll like meticulously, like one image isn't going to give you the concept. It's like, He'll meticulously build this whole world and do it just labor laboriously, like like panel by panel. And that's the stuff that like I connect with. Whereas like someone like Jake Parker, I actually have trouble connecting with because I'm like, well, it's just one image. I want to see the whole sequence and like the whole thing kind of work out. Um, so I am kind of, I don't know, I am kind of feeling like there's a slight difference in 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 although I think we're I think I think. I have no doubt you're better. Like, honestly, I think you're better at finishing um, projects than, than I, I probably have been. I think, I, I think because you take on bigger projects and I, I take on smaller projects. So yeah. it seems like I finish more when actually, but you put in so much more work that it just takes you way longer to finish something because you're, you're, you're doing just a super intense, long form project. Yeah, but I do um, think there's a difference in like our interests in the sense of even like oh, yeah. the art because like for me the the panels are not as interesting as the whole series of panels. Like I want to see every page to the final. Right. Um, 
you know, and I enjoy that, like that, that, that process more than the inception of it, you know, um, it's, it's very fascinating to me. I don't know. I, I, I don't know, Corey, am I crazy? You feel no, like it's, it's interesting. It's interesting that you, you bring that up, Josh, because, um, I, I feel like we're kind of, if you were to look at like Josh on the left and me in the middle and Scott on the right, we have this spectrum. It's almost that like kind of out that way. On the yeah. Um, but it's funny because it's funny because you mentioned that you like to see a fully realized thing, which, which is entertaining to me because when I did the, when I did my four page story for the anthology, um, you kept saying like, I want to see the whole story. I want to see the whole book. And for me, I liked the idea and the story even was intentionally vague, vague enough to where I think my daughter was like, I don't, what just happened? And I'm like, well, there's hints there. You know, I know what happened and I'm trying to see if I can hit, you know, hit to that. But I mean, I was trying to allude to this larger world and this bigger story without, but still have a, a completed four page story. And you were like, so when are you going to, when are you going to spend the next five years putting this book together? And I was like, I might do a couple pages at a time, like in these short, these short stints, because I think I do like finishing stuff the the idea the idea of working on a project for five years until I finish it is one of the most terrifying things I can think of. Oh, hang on a second. I want to address the chats. Like, I I know Jake Parker finishes books, and, and like to me, like like I guess my point was the stuff of Jake Parker that I connect with would be the finished books, and yeah. not so much the post of like the long like sweeping panel that has all sorts of potential for another book. Uh, a, a good example too is like the the fan brothers like we interviewed um uh uh eric fan on our channel and um and it's like the uh the fan brothers they they like they are great illustrators and i've always liked their illustrations but for me like the point that i really was excited for them was when there was a fully realized book like I, I've always liked their illustrations, but I've never connected to their illustrations more than when I saw it in sequence, like one of their little windows, like fully realized, like, and, and um, so, so that's what I was kind of getting at. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. And also goes, it also goes back to what I was saying before with you only, you can only do so much. So, I mean, Whereas somebody like Jake Parker has finished a lot of projects, yeah. but he's also got all these just like one sketch that he puts out there and you can look at this sketch and the idea and like, there's a, there's something that could come out of this, but I mean, he doesn't have the time to, 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 you know, to create a world or create a, a story out of every single concept he has. So that's kind of what I'm talking about where like, you know, I've got all these ideas and I'll just never have time to do them all, but some of them I will. You know, so let me let me ask you this, Scott. What do you yeah. think of illustrators turned writers? How there there are there are several that I can think of right off the top of my head where they start, yeah, a, a super successful like comic book illustration career where they're they're illustrating and then they become illustrating their own stories and then you have like uh, you know like. Uh, uh, Scotty Young, for instance, I mean, he did one of the most popular Marvel series ever um, in in the Wizard of Oz, um, and people were clamoring for more. And he's got more. And he then he did then he started writing, and he he wrote Rocket Raccoon. He started writing all the stuff for other illustrators, <clears throat> um, and then just spent one, um, you know, spent his illustration time doing one thing. So that's kind of an interesting thing you see some people kind of move in that direction where they um, they're like, I do have a limit to the amount of time that I can put pen to paper. Yeah. Um, but I can still get a bunch of stories out and, and focus on just illustrating one of them and then, and then do the rest. Yeah. I, I don't, drum. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't have a problem with that at all. And so, at some points I, some, sometimes I think to myself, yeah, I mean, that might be the only way I can get some of these ideas out there. But I also, I kind of compare that to, you know, is I I think of myself as an artist, but but I do write and I do create and I do come up with I you know ideas and stories and things like that. Um, and 
you know, and sometimes I think to myself, well, am I moving too far away from the illustration? Because I don't, now I'm doing, you know, when I'm creating like digital products or whatever, or things like that, it, it, it is kind of moving away from, you know, being an illustrator. Yeah. You know? And, and sometimes I, I wonder, you know, is that the, is that, am I kind of turning my back on being an illustrator, even though I, you know, I draw every day, and it, but it's not as much as it's not all to me, to me, I, I just can, I guess I consider myself more of a, just a creative. I mean, I'm an illustrator, I'm a designer, I'm a cartoon, whatever, but I, as a creative as a whole, I just like to create things. And sometimes those things don't have anything to do with illustration. Sometimes they're, creating things for other people that they can use to illustrate or, or whatever, or just making videos talking about illustration or whatever. To me, that's all, you know, I enjoy all that kind of stuff. So, but, but there are times where I think to myself, you know, I, I don't illustrate as much as I, I used to. I'm doing all these other things. So, I mean, there could be a point where maybe that's where I don't even do as much illustration as I'm doing now. And in some ways that'll kind of be sad, but some ways it's just like a, I guess a progression. So I don't really have any, anything against people for like artists who kind of decide to do more in the way of writing. So uh, and that kind of stuff. like, like, okay. So you think of like somebody like Terry Gilliam, right? Terry Gilliam's like this guy who started out as just like this kind of artsy animator who was doing bits with Monty Python and then went on to just kind of create these insane films. Yeah. So is he a director or an animator? Like, what is he? Right. Yeah. It, like, even if you look, I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of like early, like some of the the Terminator concept art that James Cameron did. I mean, he's yeah. a he's a great illustrator, but he just he kind of got into the filmmaking part, and I yeah. don't know if he illustrates at all anymore. There's a lot of people like that. And it's, it's kind of weird that all that, all that talent they had as an illustrator. And he, I, to my knowledge, he doesn't really do anything with that anymore, but, but he creates great movies. So, yeah, I don't know. I kind of think there's something that unites us like us three, which, which goes a little further than illustration. Although illustration is like a version of this, which is storytelling. I think we like storytelling yeah, we like the process of storytelling, and I think that illustration is one of the ways we do storytelling. But it's not necessarily like the period at the end of the sentence. So I think, you know, um, to me, it's it. I I understand what you're saying about potentially like writing or creating stories that other people then kind of see and realize. Um, it it's it's such a weird thing because I, I like that idea, but all the guys I look at, like the guys that are on my list, like my heroes are the ones who did everything. Like, yeah. you know, so like Spiegelman, like I, I love Spiegelman and part of why I love Spiegelman, he's not the best illustrator. He's not the best writer, but when you pair the two and you see his vision, like completely, completely made by him, um, it's like, I don't think there's a lot of graphic novels that match that. Yeah. Uh, Craig Thompson, Craig Thompson's another guy, you know, um, Chris Ware, like there's like the thing that. Eisner. I love, yeah. But the thing I love about that group is it's a small group. It's, it's there's not a lot of people who do that. Um, and I think it's partially because it's really hard to do. And like you were saying, you literally only have so much time. So, um, like, that's why where is always on my list. I'm like, I don't, I frankly just do not comprehend. Um, like, if you look at the size of Rusty Brown, how did one person in a lifetime create that on top of Jimmy Corian? Like, if you just stack those two books, it's like, that's more pages than most Marvel artists draw in, like, five, five years, you know, yeah. on, like, a salary. Like, how... And that's just drawing or like penciling or inking, but much less penciling, inking, coloring, writing. Um, it's it's baffling. It's it's so like to me, yeah. I'm not opposed to the idea of like um, like uh, like to me, I don't think that would make you not a finisher in the sense of like if you're still writing and you're finishing your story, um, I'd, I'd still consider that like finishing. 
Because to me, when I think about like starters versus finishers, I think of all the people I know who are really great at starting a project. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I think of like kickstarters that get kickstarted and then don't get don't deliver. Yep. You, you know what I mean? That's what I think of as starters. I think I think people who like come up with a great idea that gets kickstarted, it gets funded, and then just like doesn't ever get done. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It's all super fascinating. Um, because you, you brought up another thing that I, I'm, I'm thinking through this. I have a huge problem. I want to do every part of the project. I, I want like I, at the, I mean, I had to, I know nothing of music theory or composition. Like I know nothing about it. I mean, like what I don't know, about music would, I mean, stun an elephant, you know I mean? It's just like, and yet in that animation, I was like, I'll just do it myself. I'll just write my own song. Like, that's just how I want to do everything. And I, yeah. like, it was actually really hard for me to like reach out to people and be like, would, would you like a portion of this project and, and jump in on this? And like, I'm super glad that I did, but like, like the idea, and I know that, I know that this is a perfectly acceptable industry practice to like use stock, uh, you know, whether it's stock photography or stock vector or stock illustration or whatever, like it's a very common thing to do. And the, and if you do it legally and you license it correctly, it's fine. But for me, I, every time somebody's like, I remember having a conversation where we were, we were developing this program uh, and we we're trying to decide how much we're going to teach about stock. And somebody turned to me and I said, and they said, you'd be great at this because you know, vector stock, like is some of the most profitable stock that you can get out there. And I said, what would you even make? And they said, well, just think of all the stock that you've bought. And I said, I don't buy stock. I just, I just make whatever I need for any, anything that I need, I will make it. And, and everybody in the room was like, that seems really inefficient. And I'm like, I'm not talking about efficiency. I'm talking about, I'm the one that made it start to finish. It's all me. That's every project that I touch. I want to have one name on the credits. Yeah, it's, and that's it's, and that's why I don't get a lot of them done. Yeah, I get I it. Four projects a year instead of thirty. It's what? funny that you said you didn't watch my video because I I went into this too. I talked about this too. So I got to go watch it. It sounds hey, like I agree with a lot of it. I will say at my day job, I'm going to use stock any any day, any second, whatever gets the job done efficiently, makes it look good, I'll do. But when it's my own personal work, like I, I never understand somebody on personal work using uh, stock because why wouldn't you want control over the entire thing? <laughs> like, but there, are, there are things that I don't make. For example, for some reason in my mind, it, it makes sense to purchase a, a font, font rather than do what Scott does where he has literally made his own fonts or do what you do where you are literally hand lettering your comic. And I'm like, that just sounds horrible to me. And so I'll just, I'm just going to buy a good one that, that works. Yeah. Or like if you're making a comic and you have like an explosion, that's really hard to draw. And there's this like awesome way to get free assets, like through, like you just go to Cirqueworks and just, sign up for that mailing list and you get like some pretty cool free assets that will save you time and will help you develop your own comics yeah. like the comic maker starter kit that might be the exception yeah. but well, yeah but in general I, I i i'm with you on the stock thing but but then i'm gonna call Corey out though because i know like on the newsy project the background was stock yep but it wasn't but you made me do that and you were, okay. my, you were my employer. If you recall, <laughs> if you recall that process, I did a fairly significant amount of uh, of work on a background that I that I photo manipulated and stitched okay. together okay. myself. And then you were like, "The client hates that. Okay, All let's right. do this other thing." And I said, "You're signing that check." So yes, I will agree with you. <laughs> yeah, but I thought I, I I thought that what you had before was was stock photos that you. Well, and it's, 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 it started that way, but I, but I, I manipulated it quite a bit in Photoshop. That wasn't a personal project either. 
You know what I mean? That was a client. So it's, it's a little different, but like, but with a personal project, I think, I think if I, if I lived, if I lived within 200 miles of a skyscraper, I would have gone and shot that stuff myself. But like, there's literally nothing but like two story buildings for hundreds of miles in any direction. (laughs) And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I, I would have. That background would have just been like a snowy flat landscape. (laughs) Right. It's like, look at all these fields of potatoes and wheat and barley. <laughs> no, but anyway, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't do it. I'm saying my natural inclination is, is to always try to make it myself. Sometimes to my detriment because it's like, why do I care about this part? Like, I could just make, I could just, I could just license this for like, you know, a few bucks, and it would save me tons of time. And so. Yes, you're you're right to call me out. I I do use stock. I just I cringe when I I cringe when I do. Well, and 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 one thing I will say is like the stuff that I got in design annuals never used stock. Like and and so that's that's kind of the catch is like I think the I think when you're you know use stock if you have to, but uh but when it comes to like personal projects, like why would you use stock? Well, and, and and I'll I'll play devil's advocate against myself here. I know a lot of motion graphic artists um, that use stock in super interesting ways, and they will they will take they'll take uh, public domain images uh, and cut them up. Like one I saw recently was a rap battle between um, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, and they they took the images from the money and then overlaid that over across like a wireframe and like animated it. And so they didn't, you know, there's like, that's a little different. No, but that's what I'm saying is I, I do feel like, I do feel like if you make something your own, that's different than just buying it, plopping it in there. Yeah, no, I agree. Cool. Um, I, I kind of feel like we've, I mean, we're going at like a little over an hour. I think we've done a lot, um, a lot here though. So. Yeah. I do want to point out Victor, Victor brought up, uh, Jason Brubaker, who is a huge, uh, inspiration to getting me into all of this stuff. Uh, I love that guy. He's, he's great at a ton of things and has finished quite a few independent books, uh, on, on his own. So. Yeah, I think we're all familiar with Jason Brubaker. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's done a lot of good stuff. Um, and then TJ's saying a lot of really interesting things. I wish I wish we could have gotten to all those comments, but um <laughs> she she was saying that uh it feels like a lack of focus when you start counting finished products. Um, but I do enjoy all of my creative distractions. And I think this might be a good way to to kind of end. Like I don't know that I'm gonna pass a value judgment on um, people's goals. And if your goal, if your goal is to, um, if your goal is to enjoy what you're doing, um, and you're getting that fulfillment and that enjoyment without finishing things, that's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If your goal is to, uh, achieve something, become something, be known for something, um, that, that takes finishing. And if you don't finish, then, um, then you either need to readjust your production or readjust your goals. Um, but I really don't think there's anything wrong with people just being like, I, I do this cause I love it. It makes me feel good. And I, I think that's great. I love that type of thing. Um, what really bothers me though, is the people that are like, I want to be X and then they don't do what they need to do to be known as X or to be paid to do X. It's like, you know, stop saying that you want to be a children's book illustrator until you finish a children's book, yep. you know, like just don't, don't tell me you want to be a comic book artist. If you don't, if you never finish any issues. Um, I, I want to bring up a little example from music. So like one of the weird things about me when I, when I first picked up a guitar was I learned like three chords and then I started writing my own songs and I'd yeah. been to all sorts of people when I, when I started a band and we were playing all over the place who'd be like, oh, I, I like playing guitar too. And they'd play like a cover of like a Bush song or like the Nirvana song they learned. And um, and I knew a few covers, but like I was bored with covers because I wanted to make stuff. 
Yeah. And um, I remember having this conversation with a bunch of guitarists, like, and this was when I was like, I, I'm not a really good guitarist. I never have been, but I have had that conversation with people where they're like, how did you record an album? Like, how do you play shows? How do you have a band? How do you write music? Like, how do you write your own stuff? That's crazy. You do it by just doing it instead of like just learning other people's songs and just doing covers and kind of dabbling at it. Um, and uh, it is Mandalorian time, but I do want to say like, um, there's a thing to be said for finishing stuff. And like, I, I've brought this up before on the show, but, um, <laughs> Ooh, I love it. We are just not going to let Josh finish the <laughs> sentence tonight. When, uh, when, when I was in junior college, there's this guy who I, I knew who was like a fantasy author and he was working on the epic fantasy book. And I've mentioned this before many times on here, but I think it's a good warning for everyone. And he was a big fan of like Tolkien and the Silmarillion. So he had created like this whole language and this whole world. And um, that guy's never finished that book. And he had like, he, he like was so excited to talk about the book he was working on. He'd like open his backpack and he had 50 different, you know, diaries filled with like different dialects and characters and like this whole world he had built and um and 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 i've never seen that guy uh get anything out there and so so to me it's like that there's a few tolkien's please don't assume you're that that person like there there's something to be said for finishing stuff and getting it out there and actually finishing a story um and and there is something comfortable and yet you know damaging about just the idea of kind of playing at making this whole world there's a fine line between like role playing and and actually being a maker of things and i and i think i think as a creator you should be aware of that like if you want to role play great if you want to feel good about yourself great if if you want to make stuff that's a whole different ball game than like role playing and feeling good you know yeah so yeah i agree okay all right mandalorian Mandalorian time. All right. Before we before we do this, spoiler alert, spoilers. Turn back now. Spoilers ahead. I'm gonna say the word spoilers several times. Let's keep it brief. Let's let's just talk about the our impressions of the last episode of Mandalorian. Uh the fact that it was basically seven samurai? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. With with only two samurais. Right. Uh, but that that's and actually, you know. I, I kind of tease this, even though it's it's a ways off. But um, I t I use that example, and now I kind of wish I wouldn't have pre-recorded it uh, in my comic maker. I mean, my my comic one hundred and one uh, kind of YouTube videos that I'm doing. But I talk about Seven Samurai, how that that's sort of a tried and true story that's been told so many times because it was you know Seven Samurai, and it was also you know Magnificent, Magnificent. Seven. Right. Battle on the Stars, Bugs Life, all those that I mean, so local sheriff, like yeah. there's a million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that story's been told time and time again. So, and I like this. Walking tall. Sorry, but but yeah. So I mean, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, because as soon as as soon as I kind of realized, oh, this is. It's a western, but it's also you know lone wolf and cub. And then I kind of thought I kind of I don't know I kind of expected that they would do something like that. My my biggest I guess I, I would say out of the episodes that I've seen so far, I think this might be the weakest one. And I think it's just because I think you needed longer to tell that story than forty minutes because the whole love kind of thing. And I mean that needs to be something that. You know, and I'm just kind of worried that this is going to kind of be an adventure of the week, like Incredible Hulk type type thing. You know, oh, I'm, like I'm, I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred percent in for that. I, well, I, I, I and I, it's not that I don't like the old Incredible Hulk series, but and I, I don't mind some some of the episodes being like that, but but I don't know. I mean, I, I want, I also. I, I would I would rather with certain ones maybe stay in that place for a couple episodes, and I know, but yeah. then again, we only have eight episodes, so so I don't know. I'm still I'm kind of on the on the fence, but I just because the, the cool thing about it though is like they did they're they're taking all of the Western tropes and they're just knocking them off one by one, yeah, 
And yet we still have kind of some throughput of some story because like he literally said about baby Yoda, which can we please get a name? The child name, the the kid, right? He's like, we take, watch the kid, take care of the kid. Like, can we give him a name? Like, like, I don't know what, like going back to Westerns, in the in the in Shane did in that movie uh, did did the kid have a name in that or even like uh, going back to you know I the mean, kid with uh, with uh, Charlie Chaplin the kid didn't have a name so I don't really mind that it doesn't yeah have a name. I, I kind of I'm I'm kind of with Scott on that but I I do see where you're going Corey though because like the thing that I like about the structure of Lone Wolf and Cub like which is what they're pretty much riffing on that premise allows for like eternal storytelling where you can travel from town to town and have different scenarios happen. And those scenarios can be very brief. Like this last episode, they can be drawn out. Um, I actually think it's pretty brilliant what they've done because they've actually like got a lot of creative freedom. Right. Um, there's, there's two things that really stood out to me in the last episode. One is it's really cool to see a storyline where one Imperial Walker is highly problem. Like, so you really get the idea of the power. Like if you just imagine what that actually would be like in a warlike scenario, it's like a, it's like somebody having a tank. I mean, that's, that is like a massive amount of firepower. So it was cool to see if they hadn't already established that a bunch of teddy bears could take them out like nothing in the Return of the Jedi. <laughs> That's then I'd be on board with Really, I mean, if you think about it, if they just had used logs and rope, and uh, like they could have taken it out a lot quicker. But it was cool to see that pilot, like one individual Walker, as kind of the nemesis. Yeah, and the uh, shock and the shock troopers like. Nope, I'm out. I've seen I've seen just one of these takeout battalions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, but we only ever see them in like, here's a giant row of 50 giant vehicles and a big lion as Kylo Ren fires everything at Luke. You know, yeah. we never we never see like what yeah, would happen if it's just like in in Endor, like getting right. knocked out, you know, like um, but you don't really like I thought it was cool to have just one be like the highlight villain. That was cool. Yeah. Well, what I what I like about this and I don't know how they're doing this, but I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard was the was the director for this last episode. Yeah, I saw uh, that. It surprised me at first. And I'm like, why does that surprise me knowing who her dad is? So. but then but then what i what i love about this is like the obvious love interest uh it wasn't a love interest at all it was like yeah like just because there's these there's these two people that happen to be opposite opposite genders they don't have to end up together they don't have to have a romantic relationship she was even like she was even like why don't you go settle down with that chick over there she seems into you you know like Seems seems like a good deal, but what I what I like what I like about what they're doing is that because I like I like episodic stuff a lot because yeah. in in a lot of my like mindless entertainment I just want to I just want predictability, <laughs> you know, which sounds stupid, but like there there are times there are times when I want to be surprised and there are other times when I'm just like I just want predictability. And this what I like about it is it has a little bit of both because you still have. You know, hurts hurts log. You still got like the bad guys. That's still an undercurrent. And what they introduced in this is that we knew that everyone had trackers before this episode, but he just found out because he was basically like, "I I found a good place. I mean, they're fishing. He gets to eat all the frogs he wants. He's safe. There's like a mom that's gonna and sister. Like yeah. I found him a family. And I'm this like weirdo lone wolf Wolverine." bounty hunter dude who just like you know i don't get along with people i'm a horrible influence on this kid and so like he kind of realized in the middle that like oh yeah even though i'm attached like this is a way better situation and then they took that away yeah and now he has to be with that kid because until he kills every single bounty hunter that has one of those trackers he is in danger also the stakes are super high (laughs) right makes it really interesting how do those trackers work? I don't know. I, I don't know if somehow he's if maybe it's attached to 
Is it part of the DNA little... or midi chlorians? Or... Right. Like, <laughs> how do the trackers work? I have to know. I like, I, that's a story point that I've got to just like. I don't need I, to know. I no, don't want to know. It's Star I wanna, Wars. I'd rather not know. No, I want to know for the same reason that I finally was like, in this episode, they also explained that he takes his helmet off. He just doesn't take it off in front of other people. That is because, true. Because my mind gets so distracted. I'm like, does he. Eat? Does he like shove yeah. food up through the little gap? Is he like drinking? I had this conversation yeah, on Twitter. Somebody's like, is he drinking like, you know, some sort of heavily dense nutrient rich shake of some kind? No, he just doesn't take his helmet off in front of people. Yeah. I also want to know, like if the Mandalorian just like ditched the weird, like three quarter sphere crib thing that that Yoda baby flies around in. Is that what, is that what they're tracking? What okay. are they tracking? Okay, one really. Well, they quick. had the they had the the baby Yoda or the child, whatever you want to call him, in that thing, which I assume maybe has something to do with cloning or whatever, because they had the same symbols mm-hmm. as the clone uh, people in the prequels or whatever. But whatever they did, and maybe at that point he was he was somehow tagged or something. I you know I don't know. It could be a number. Of, if there's if I could think of of. Uh, of at least five different scenarios, then I'm happy enough that okay, then I guess it's plausible. I don't need to know exactly why, you know. That's well, highlight uh, TJ. I think yeah. that's pretty amazing about the show that yeah. Baby Yoda's fifty. Um, uh, I, the, one of the things that that I want to make sure we touch on before we before we close out is um, Baby Yoda drinking soup during the fight. <laughs> was one of the most adorable things I've ever seen in my life. Yep. And I, I want to say, I want, I just want to finishing up in this detail thing. I want to know all the details. I'm, I'm the guy who's like, finally, we know why the Sith's lightsabers are red. It's because there's a ceremony that they go through where they darken their Jedi crystal as they turn. Like, I want to know all those things. Yeah. That that can be all in extended universe stuff yeah. you don't have to i don't know if you need to tell i'm not a midichlorian dude like if I'm, you want to learn more about it it's out there you know yeah, I'm like you have my suspension of disbelief at the word tracker and the fact that you somehow managed to get there i'm like okay it's tracking it's somehow doing that and i don't need to know if i did this would become star trek and and the thing i like about star wars <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like it's a fine line because I do like the explanations, and I'm kind of with you. But it does start to become Star Trekish when it gets. I just, I just like I just like the little nods. You know, I just yeah. like the little nods. I yeah. don't need I don't need them to like, you know, break the fourth wall and look at me and and exp- like I think Midalorians Midalorians are like one of the stupidest things that have ever happened because it's like that is just dumb and you're just trying to explain too much. But I do think like when there are major things, because I think good storytelling is like this. Uh, Brian McDonald, who wrote Invisible Ink, has given this example. He said the the most terrifying horror movies are the one are not the ones where the people do something stupid that you wouldn't do, and you're yelling at the screen like, "Put your shirt on! Don't go to the basement! Don't follow the weird sound into the room full of chainsaws." It's when the character does everything that you would do and then it's still you know it still gets killed by the monster and so for me i immediately start thinking okay if i was the bounty hunter and i realized that this kid is being tracked the first thing that i would do is get off that planet the second thing that i would do is is be like all right let's figure out what is going on here so that you can stop being tracked yeah and in, until somebody says because they could have had that conversation they could have just said they could have just said i mean they're, they're, they're tracking his, they're tracking his bio signal. So there's nothing I can do to remove it. And then I would be like, okay, there's nothing you can do to remove it. Yeah. But until they leave it ambiguous, I'm like, I like that. Why yeah. are you thinking about that? And they may, I mean, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they do mention, you know, mention how they're tracking him, but well, yeah, they're I mean, definitely seeding it. I mean, they've had the trackers in like two up, ep- well, three episodes now. So, yeah. I mean, that, that, Definitely is, is an important plot point. I'm sure that'll come back. And and I mean, I'm not one of those guys that like I have to know whether the Jedi communicators are using a radio yeah. signal or because I just know that like 
it's it's some sort of radio analog. I get it, right? But when it's something that is integral to the plot, I, I want to know. Yeah, I I, I want to know. So I overall I agree with you, Corey, in the sense of like I don't mind serialized episodic stuff. Like one of my favorite TV shows of all time is Magnum PI, which is the ultimate of like formulaic, repetitive, serialized TV shows. However, I also agree with Scott in the sense of like the writing and all of that so far. I love your sunglasses. Um, was was probably I would say I agree it was probably the weakest of all the episodes so far. But the cool thing about this series is like even for the weakest, I think it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I didn't I did not like it, but I just if I had to put them in order, then probably it was my least favorite so far. So yeah, no, I one hundred percent am on board with that. So I, I do want to see Herzog come back because I just like Yeah, I'm I'm kind of it, it, what's interesting is all these other characters, like the the character that we met, you know, in this last episode. Is she going to? Are we going to see her again? Because it it seems like you know they they've mentioned these. Oh, this actress is in is is has this role, or you She's know, we on saw the poster. That, yeah, or we saw the I so like if, the same thing with the IG eighty eight guy. Uh, yeah, I, 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 was that who did the voice and everything? Yeah. So, I mean, you wonder if these characters are going to, it seems like they would come back. And also the Nick Nolte guy, we saw him in a couple episodes. I'd like to see him again. So, but who knows, you know, I don't, don't, know. don't look on IMDB. It's really disappointing. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Well, I'm not going to, cause I don't want spoilers. All right. Um, I think we got to wrap it. Um, but this is fun, and I do like the idea of us ending on Mandalorian because I think we're all going to be watching that, you know, until they introduce like Jar Jar Binks the second. We're like, I can't, I can't. Because the great thing is, right after Mandalorian, you know that they're going to release whatever the other things that they've done because they're going to do an Obi Wan. They're going to do, yeah. So didn't the director of this last episode is doing Obi Wan? Oh, really? Pretty good. Bryce Dallas Howard? I think so. Or oh, maybe yeah. it was the episode before. You never never mind. It was the third. Whoever directed the third is the director who's running, show running the Obi-Wan. From oh, I forgot. Yeah. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't want to go to IMDb. So. All right. Well, anyway, we gotta we gotta wrap it. Um thanks to everybody who joined us in the chat. Mm-hmm. Stoked that like uh, we have such an awesome group of like artists and yet also nerds because <laughs> they, have, they have followed us into the Mandalorian. All right, um, we will see you guys uh, next week, and you'll probably see Scat on Thursday. So Deborah Chow, Deborah Chow, thank you. Yeah, was that the third? That was the third one. Was Deborah Chow? I don't know if she's also doing the other one, but. Yeah. So you can find my stuff at CoreyKerr.com. You can find this uh, show at CoreyKerr.com slash 48HR. You can find Scott's stuff at CircWorks.com. And yeah, and actually there's a – sorry, Josh, but there is – I've got a 25% off coupon if you go to my, my store on digital products and physical products. It just There's a banner there that will give you the, the – and it expires soon, so you know. Yeah, you got a couple hours. So if you're watching this right now, act now. If you're watching this later, then get on his mailing list so that you know the next time he does it. Yeah. Boom. All right. And you see Josh stuff at JoshuaCampbell.com, and we will see you guys on Wednesday. All right. See you guys. <laughs>